This is East Carolina Offensive Coordinator Donnie Kirkpatrick. We are talking one of my favorite things, hired football and the sports objective. Welcome in to the Sports Objective. You know, sometimes uh, my grandfather used to say, "You're better, you're better lucky than good." Um, in this particular case, we've got a special show, and would you know it? Um, there's talk of SMU going to the ACC. We'll talk about that with our guests first of all. Welcome into the Iron Man, Kyle from Lagrange Barber. You do more shows, and here you are with us tonight. Appreciate you, bro. Nah, the Iron Man is anybody's above. Right. But uh, I appreciate it, Dave. Uh, been a long day and uh, not so much from doing the shows, just just a long day in general. But uh, anyway, ready for week zero to get started, ready for some college football to be on the television. Saturday, we got seven college football games, and I'll uh, be trying to watch every one of them. What's going on, Bubba Rosenbaum? We have previewed 11 opponents, and this will make number 12. Um, we're taking a look at the SMU Mustangs and very excited to welcome back to the show from On the Pony Express, part of the On 3 Sports Network, Billy Embody. Billy, we appreciate your time this evening. Anytime, guys. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, we planned on having you on, and then obviously it's uh, it's crazy, but uh, you guys have a chance, and we understand that uh, – we'll let Kyle uh, talk about that because he just told us right in the green room. But uh, what are you guys hearing before we talk X's and O's? The big story is out of the Dallas area for SMU going to the ACC potentially. Yeah, this is something that, quite honestly, I've been tracking for a, a year now. You know, the Pac-12 is what kind of put all this into motion with USC right. and UCLA leaving about a year ago. But talking with SMU sources, they've been hunting for a Power 5 conference, no matter the conference, for a while now. And a lot of it centered around the Pac-12, and especially once George Klyovkov, you know, visited SMU's campus and that whole uh, public exercise, I guess, if you want to call it, uh, happened. The buzz was around that happening. But SMU continued to work the Big 12, which is is and was a pipe dream uh, because of some of the roadblocks with the in-state schools there. But the ACC was quietly a league that, you know, there were conversations behind closed doors, especially heating up probably over the last three to four months where, you know, SMU and the ACC and, and some of those schools were in contact at least once a week saying, hey, here's where we're at with the Pac-12. Looks like they're if if they do expand, we're going to be in. What say you? Let's try to make something happen because the ACC is what SMU's coveted. You know, they they feel like they align with a lot of the schools there. I know it's kind of different geographically in a in a way, but with the new age of realignment, I mean, you can kind of throw geography out of the window uh, as much as I hate it because I love the regional aspect of conferences. But you know, SMU is really honed in on on working this and. You know, while the Pac-12 continued to drag things on, SMU went into overdrive on the ACC. And I don't I don't sit here saying it's going to happen and it's going to pan out, but this is the closest we've seen this be since it really formally broke that they were in discussions and then the Pac-12, I, I lack of a better term, folded. And uh, 
you know, this is one of those things that they've just been working toward and they've never been told no. They've never been told go away. They've been kept right in the loop on maybe what's next for the conference and if SMU might be a part of that. Yeah, and I was told earlier tonight, speaking to somebody who uh, has direct contacts with uh, somebody with CBS um, and their SMU contacts and contacts with the ACC, uh, the four knows, I think you're, everybody knows now, we're Clemson, Florida State, North Carolina, North Carolina State. And uh, it looks like North Carolina State may be the one that flips. That's not a guarantee. But if it happens, it's going to be NC State, it sounds like. So uh, time will tell. Um, I, got, I got a couple of follow-up questions on that. Uh, first one, it's being reported that you guys are willing to give up seven years of media rights deals to join the ACC. Obviously, SMU has a lot of money. Um, and there would be a lot of other revenue coming in from the ACC, such as, um, you know, from bowl games, the playoff, uh, NCAA tournament money. Um, so do you guys think that revenue uh, from the other revenue distributions to the ACC would, would equal to what the American media rights equal to uh, for that seven-year period? You know, the interesting thing about all this is there's a couple of different points to it. One, as SMU has been going through some of the realignment uh, discussions uh, with multiple leagues over the last you know year, especially, but they've been building toward this for two to three years now is they have a fund called the vision 2025 fund. And it's earmarked for when SMU gets to a power five league. And it's probably in the five to $10 million range of, of just money that's kind of sitting there right now. So that is designed to, pay coaches, up those salaries to a power five level of compensation, uh, do whatever they need to off the field to make everything, you know, whole in a sense in terms of what power five or I guess power four teams uh, should be right. doing uh, these days. But so they have that, which they've, they've really set aside. And then the donors that are really involved with the football program uh, have uh, pledged to uh make up the difference between that lost AAC revenue of about $7 million a year, plus the exit fee, which when you factor in what will probably be a $17 million exit fee, along with $7 million a year for seven years is what it looks like they're going to give up. Uh, it's going to be about a 60 million or a um, $70 million, um, you know, amount of money that they're going to foot the bill for in terms of making sure that the athletic department doesn't see that money just flat out disappear while they go through this. But then there's also that piece of attendance going up when a ACC opponents come to town. There's uh, the piece of uh, advertising in the stadium that maybe is worth a little bit more. There's the piece of apparel going up. But the biggest piece is, and a lot of SMU people have said this, you know, they we have a lot of people that want to give, but they don't want to give to a G5 program. We've got millions of dollars lined up in major gifts as soon as SMU gets in to a power five conference. And I think that's where you'll see the difference ultimately made up. And then, and is, then, is that alumni or businesses or what? Yeah. Alumni. Uh, so there's that, that the most idiotic thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> Trust me. I, I agree with you. I think the, the one thing about SMU is it's unfortunately for the program since the death penalty, it has been kind of wandering in the desert uh, in a sense um, since then. But over the but last. So if donors years, were to spend that money 20 years ago, you might not be wandering right now. 
Yeah, it's yep. so th these are probably the from what I've gathered that um, what we call around SMU kind of that forgotten generation where they didn't go to school with football or they missed you know missed out on any sort of football. And there's probably a five to ten window, five to ten year window of SMU alums that it football was just not a thing. You went to SMU to go to good school and be in Dallas, and that was kind of it. And so it's been a process as those people have grown up and are now in their late 40s up to mid 50s and things like that where they have this extra money sitting around and now they can give it to a school that could be in the power five ranks it's it's a weird situation because of that uh, but trust me i agree with you the the one thing about the hindsight situation with smu is the president dr turner uh, he, regardless if he gets this right this time, he botched this about 20 years ago when TCU was investing in football and investing in being great and all those things in athletics. He was saying, no, SMU, we're going to double down in academics. And that's what we're going to be built on. And we'll figure out the football aspect of it as we go. And now you see where the two athletic departments are and programs are overall. But, you know, SMU has been that sleeping giant. And, and I think a lot of people have just been waiting for it to wake up. Yeah, and even if you don't get it through the ACC, um, in the American now, particularly if they, you know, and, and I think there's a lot of people worried about with the, with the playoff format that they're not going to, that the change is going to eliminate the conference champion rule that was supposed to be in into effect with the five highest rated conference champions make the playoffs, or the six highest rated conference champions make the playoffs, I'm sorry, and then six at largest. I think it's going to just change to the five highest rated conference champions. So I still think you're going to see one group of five team get in. My point being, with the money SMU has in the day and age of NIL, even if you don't get into the ACC, you stay in the American. Uh, if you spend that NIL money, you guys could dominate the American. Hope you don't, because uh, you know I'd like to play for some championships. But you guys could dominate the American if you spent that money now and and go to the playoffs every year, as long as they keep that access that we're supposed to get started in twenty four. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're absolutely right. Yep. It, oh. It's it's something that, you know, with the NIL investment that they've done, I mean, there's a reason why, look, the preseason poll, I get it, Tulane, UTSA, what they did last year um, and what they built at those two programs is really impressive and they deserve the kudos. But trust me, there are going to be a lot of ticked off people around SMU with the amount of money that they've spent in NIL <laughs> and just over the last few years if SMU is not playing that first weekend of December. Speaking of uh, ticked off people around SMU, um, if you guys get in the ACC, there'll be a lot of pick, ticked off people around SMU October 12th. Um, I, I, I guarantee you that uh, when you come to, to North Carolina. Um, so, but uh, I know you guys will, will, be, will be more than happy to deal with that if it happens. Um, uh, the, the, the last question I had about realignment, I don't know if David Bubba has anything. Um, I do. This is just a general, this is just a, a general, well, it's a two part question. Uh, one, um, if Cal and Stanford get in and SMU doesn't, uh, what do you think the chances are at that point of Washington State and Oregon State coming to the American versus the Mountain West? That's the first part. And then two, if you guys do get in the ACC, do you think that affects Oregon State and um, Washington State coming to the American negatively? Do you think if, if you guys go to the ACC that Oregon State, Washington State, at that point would definitely go to the Mountain West? Yeah, that's, that's a hard uh, question to answer just because – I mean, I'm like you guys, I, I just don't track those two schools to know what their 
thinking is like for a lot of people that follow realignment and have for the, over the last year, you would have thought by all the storylines that SMU is gunning for the PAC 12 and that's their best bet. And that's what they want. And all of those things they've always wanted the ACC. Um, you know, the big 12 made a lot of sense, but there's also a lot of people around SMU that are, you know, kind of like, all right, forget those in-state schools for lack. I mean, I, you know, all the, all the, um, you know, curse words you can think of. That's how they feel about Baylor tech, Houston, um, TCU, all those schools. And their, their whole mindset was the ACC is the best fit and gets them into the Eastern time zone, things like that. So when it comes to Oregon state and Washington state, it's, it's hard for me to really get a feel for what they would do. I, I think the most stable league is still the American. Um, I think, you know, the, the, the ability of this league to put teams, especially as of late at the top of the pole in terms of being in that college football playoff discussion. And I know the league has changed and all those things, but the infrastructure with ESPN is there. Um, this is, you know, still a league that, you know, has a lot of respected teams in it. And at least from what I'm kind of seeing nationally, as we throw away regional, you know, uh, allegiances in a sense with uh, realignment is you would think Oregon state and Washington state would say, all right, we're going to stay out on the mountain West and and do our thing out here out West. But is that the right thing to stay out in the Pacific time zone and kind of wither away like the PAC 12 was already doing? I don't know if that's the case now, granted it, it adds an incredible amount of travel and you know, I cover LSU as well for on three and <laughs> I always hear about getting up to Corvallis for LSU fans whenever they've had to play baseball up there. It is a pain. Um, and as much as I want to see a game in Pullman, um, it's uh, it's a pain. And But for those two schools, to get East is probably their best bet of survival at the highest level, which is kind of what I fall back on. That was, that was my question is the very fact of – you're talking about SMU. Um, I understand the P5 uh, – p4 deal now but at the same time kyle makes a great point billy uh you know you look at florida state clemson there's a lot of schools in the acc that you're gonna have to go through uh the same thing if you were in the big 10 big 12 uh american you have a really shot of winning a championship and getting in the playoffs so that's why i'm confused on um and and then not having money for seven years that's a lot of i i know that you guys have money but that's a long time you go if you if you if you if you get the opportunity. My point was, if if I'm if I'm the people at SMU that are thinking about investing, if I don't get in the ACC, that wouldn't change my mind. Yeah, it's it's uh the and this is where SMU is complicated uh, in a sense because you have these donors at the top that donate for facilities. They don't they run the coaching contracts. Um, there's, you know, one at the top of football right now who built the indoor facility, Bill Armstrong, and, um, has been very generous on the football front. And then there's a group of probably, I would say roughly five that really, you know, carry the torch right under him. But with the NIL, it's a lot of, you know, people who are, are good SMU donors and supporters, but they want to give to acquiring players or keeping players and going out and winning on that level at the highest that they can. And those people have 
you know, really been the ones that have championed the NIL movement. And I mean, now you've got two collectives that are, um, I mean, we just uh, did before the season, the top 20 ambitious, most ambitious collectives nationally. And SMU is the only G5 in there. Um, and they were above some big names. And, um, you know, so it's it's built where you don't have the big, big donors having to foot the bill for everything. And they're just getting hit up left and right. Like those guys don't deal with NIL much at all. And so it's a very unique, or at least I, I think it could be unique. I'm not sure on other schools, but it sounds like it's unique in that sense where you have people that it's probably, you know, anywhere from, uh, you know, $1,000 to $100,000 a year. But it's probably a group of about 40 to 50 people that are involved. And when there's an opportunity to go out and get a really talented transfer, or very rarely they do the high school front, but when they have the opportunities, it's it's passing around the hat a little bit, but there's a lot of people that are already committed to saying, okay, I'm good for X number of dollars this year. If you hear of something that we need to do to stretch it, give me a call. And that's kind of how it's structured, which is sustainable, um, whether it's in the American or whether it's in the ACC, because of that, those people are giving, you know, a set amount of money to the school, and it's probably not going to go up and reach that level of the millions. And uh, they're content to give the NIL and, and be very involved in that respect. Yeah, and one more thing on this, unless one of the other guys do, then we'll move on to talk about the 2023 SMU football team. Uh, but do you <laughs> – it's kind of comical in a way, but do you guys see this as kind of almost the ultimate redemption story where you guys – you know, got the death penalty for paying players. And now that it's legal to pay players, you guys uh, potentially, if you move up to the ACC, get to step back into a power conference like the Southwestern Conference used to be, where it's kind of almost like a big uh, FU to the NCAA comes full circle. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. Um, a lot of people view it like that. And it's uh, like I use the term wandering in the desert. Uh, it's been a long time uh, to even get back to the point where you know, SMU was in the top 25 here and there under Sonny Dykes. They, um, you know, last year, I think the early losses uh, in non-conference really hurt that that buzz um, to, to potentially get there. But this was a team that finished five and two uh, over the last seven. And uh, they didn't have Rasheed Rice in that bowl game. And they lost by a point to BYU. And, you know, BYU was down a few players, I think, as well. But um, I think it's a program where people are ready for, to finally kick that door down and be back to where no matter, and I don't want to say no matter, but for the most part, no matter what happens on the field, you're a part of the club of the power five ranks. And that's important, uh, especially in Dallas, you've got so many different alumni bases and especially all the different Texas schools, you know, to have a, a, a team that has the amount of money to go out and get good players and have a team that should be competing for a conference championship year in, year out for them to have that, but then get a power for whatever conference, that would be the icing on the cake. Whereas anything SMU does right now, even if they beat a TCU, it's, well, you're still relegated to the group of five or, oh, it's, you know, you, you caught us when we, you know, lost everybody off the national championship appearance. It, that would be kind of the storyline. Whereas this is a program that is built up 
mean, even Chad Morris, he kind of got the ball rolling a little bit. And then Sonny and the portal picked it up and ran with it. And Rhett Lashley and Sonny Dykes leaving, you know, that that really motivated a lot of SMU boosters to put the gas pedal down and they were ticked off. And honestly, this is, you know, not even a FU to the NCAA. It's it's more so of an FU to Sonny Dykes um, in, in terms of what they're trying to accomplish. And, you know, TCU just hit pause on the series. It's it's uh, ending after uh, the 2025 game, but there's a lot of SMU people that want to make it three straight and get out of there with the iron skillet and, um, you know, leave leave Sonny Dykes with that that taste in his mouth. Yeah, at some point, and uh, and I'm and then we really will move on and talk about 2023 football. But at some point, the East Carolinas of the world, our, our administrations, they've got to have a set of cojones and uh, sue some people for antitrust because this whole Power Five narrative, and prior to that BCS narrative, if it don't violate antitrust law, I mean, I'm no lawyer, but I play one on a podcast. Um, it, it uh, you know, uh, at some point, what do you have to lose? And uh, I think it's getting to be about nut cutting time. Well, it, good. Yeah, I was just going to say also, this just shows. Uh, sorry if I put the administration down at ECU, but my frustration is we are literally in it's the foot. It's not just us. ACC. Yeah. And no offense, Billy, because you guys are doing what's best for you guys or, the, you know, for your school. But I'm just frustrated that what it comes down to is small school mentality. That's what our leadership has. A school like, this is what our athletic director recently said, a school like the size of ECU. Well, we have 30,000 students, and we, like I said, every game that an ACC school comes to us or we go to them uh, that's regional, you know, like uh, uh, the uh, Tobacco Road or if it's in Virginia, uh, even if we played, say, Clemson, they're going to probably sell out anyway. But, I mean, it's it's just one of those things that's very frustrating but it comes down to leadership. It comes down to us putting ourselves out there. And the only way that we're going to have a chance now is we're going to have to go 12 and 0, like three or four years in a row before anybody takes notice of us because they're always going to use an excuse of um, you don't have a big enough market. Well, you're in the ACC country, but they already have four schools in North Carolina. So we're not going to take another one. There's always an excuse. So I'm just wondering, like, uh, there's some people that want to go to the Sun Belt, and they want to go to. I mean, at some point, I guess they want to go FCS. And our, uh, I don't think it's about. I don't think it's about that, Dave. I think it's just they get frustrated, and they and, and they see if, if if we're gonna not make it to a so-called power conference, they would just rather have fun and it be regional. I mean, uh, you got to admit it, it. It certainly, you know, money aside, uh, if you're not in a power conference, it's certainly a lot more fun to play Appalachian State and Marshall than it is to play UTSA and even SMU, honestly. Um, it, it just, there's, there's not a lot of interest there. So, I mean, it's, it's, it'll, it'll, uh, it'll be what it'll be. We'll be all right no matter what happens. But anyway, let's talk about 2023 yeah. uh, SMU football. Um, uh, Bobby, you want to take that? You're more the X's and O guy. You, you want to take that lead? Well, we're, we don't have Bubba right now. So she would okay, be we'll, we're, we're just going to uh, pitch it to Billy. Billy, uh, SMU's got a lot coming back off last year's team. You guys, you mentioned you were a bowl team last year. Uh, lost to BYU in your bowl game. Uh, you, you picked anywhere from, from you know, I, depending on the publication, second or third in the conference. Um, there might have been one publication out there that had you guys winning the league. But it, it, all the publications have you guys at the top of the league, along with UTSA and Tulane. So uh, let, let's start off uh, with SMU on the offensive side of the ball. 
Uh, we'll, you just tell us what you got coming back. Um, we'll start at the quarterback position and and go from there. Yeah, SMU. Uh, if if they figure it out with Preston Stone at the helm at quarterback, they're going to be one of the best offenses in the country. And he is a former highly touted uh, four star prospect. He's an SMU legacy from Dallas, and you know, when he, when SMU reeled him in, that was a big, big deal. And Rhett Lashley recruited him and then never coached him because he went to Miami and then winds up you know, coming back to SMU to be the head coach. And Tanner Mordecai did a lot of good things over the last two years, but they had some honest conversations. And I think Tanner Mordecai, once he realized his draft situation, he opted to go transfer and obviously going to Wisconsin. He's going to start there. Um, but Preston Stone is a guy that since he stepped on campus, he's had this moxie about him and he's really gotten more comfortable in the offense in terms of what they're asking him to do. I feel like when he came in, he probably felt a little bit of the weight of his weight of the world on his shoulders um, just because he was so highly touted SMU legacy, things like that. But he has so many playmakers around him. They've got Jordan Curley and Jake Bailey who are back, who are healthy, which is important. Both of those guys have been, Honestly, go back and look at, you know, what they've done when they're healthy. They're two of the better receivers in this league. And for them to be healthy and ready to go is huge uh, just off the jump. And then you have another slot in Roderick Daniels who did just about everything for SMU down the stretch last year. And he's back and they're really high on him. But then they brought in a bunch of transfers for really that other outside receiver spot. And then to also get some snaps behind Jordan Curley. They've got two Miami transfers in Keyshawn Smith and Romello Brinson. Uh, both of who are, are pretty explosive guys, um, but they've got to be consistent. Moochie Dixon is a returning uh, player for SMU. Came on strong at the end of last year. They're really high on him and his development that he's seen this offseason. And then Jordan Hudson, the former five-star who SMU brought in from TCU. Uh, he has some pretty incredible gifts just watching him. And he might not be a guy that early this season makes a ton of plays, but I could see him breaking through and being a starter by the year's end. And if they can get those guys to stay healthy and do what they think they can do, they're going to be pretty impressive at the skill position spot again. And they have tight end RJ Maryland, who really was, I think a couple outlets had him as a freshman All-American um, and, and set the SMU single season record for freshman touchdowns by a tight end. And he was second all time in a single season for uh, touchdowns by a tight end. Then you look at running back, they bring back Tyler Levine and the whole running game changed when, when he got the ball a little bit more last year and he played the back half of the season on a partially torn patella tendon, uh, which is pretty insane. He's, he's, he's a former um, uh, army prep guy who transferred a few years back into SMU um, as a walk-on, and he's just been the heart and soul of that really offense, and uh, they, they've they got him. He's healthy. He's ready to go, and Jalen Knighton and LJ Johnson, two highly touted transfers, come into that room, and they've got Velton Gardner and uh, Kamar Wheaton coming back as well, so they've got depth at running back. All those guys have different skill sets, whether it be some uh, explosiveness and pass catching with Jalen Knighton and Velton Gardner, uh, they've got LJ Johnson and Tyler Levine, who are kind of your bruisers. Kamar Wheaton has shown flashes of, of being great, but he's got to stay healthy. And then you've got an offensive line that has Marcus Bryant, Branson Hickman, and Justin Osborne back as starters. And then they brought in two former uh, uh, 
power five transfers uh, that'll start at left guard and Logan Parr and Hyron White at right tackle. And they've got some depth on the offensive line too. I mean, they, they have really addressed that position very well. And so all the pieces are there for SMU to be really, really good offensively. And even their backup quarterback, Kevin Jennings, came in and led a 90-plus yard touchdown drive right before the half against Memphis. He came in for Preston Stone when Preston Stone got hurt at Tulsa and played three quarters and, you know, didn't make mistakes and operated the offense. And they got their first win at Tulsa, I think, in like a decade and a half. So they have a lot of experience. They've got talent. It's got to all come together, of course, but, um, you know, Preston Stone, there's, he just needs to stay within the offense. And as he gets more comfortable playing as a starter week in, week out, you know, maybe he'll, he'll uh, spread his wings a little bit and then it could be really scary. So early on, he just needs to be a game manager as he's uh, learning the, uh, the, the, the position at this level. Um, move over to the other side of the ball, uh, defense. So what do the ponies look like? on the uh, defensive ball on the defensive side of the ball for 2023. Yeah. Another uh, transfer laden group. Uh, they brought in 25 transfers overall uh, for this off season for the team um, and, and double digit high school signees, but the defense was really what was addressed and just kind of off the top of my head, they'll have two transfer corners. That'll start. They'll have a transfer safety. That'll start. They'll have a transfer linebacker. That'll start. And they'll have, uh, depending on how it goes at the edge rusher position, they'll have two of the uh, four or three of the four starters on the defensive line be transfers. And the biggest probably additions were at corner. And SMU has struggled with depth and they've struggled with kind of high-end athleticism at the corner spot for years now. And they got two guys that they really trust in Chris Meganson from Liberty and uh, Charles Woods from West Virginia. And those two guys have been really good to watch in camp. Charles Woods is, was a uh, preseason Big 12 selection last year at West Virginia before he got hurt. And and if he can stay healthy, they're really high on what he can do. Jonathan McGill is a former uh, Stanford captain, and he was brought in this offseason and, and was just named a captain at SMU. And he's going to pair with uh, Brian Massey and Brandon Crosley, two returning starters at safety. But they also have uh, a former Fresno State transfer in C.J. Sanders, who's played a ton of football in his first two years of college and has done well. Uh, they also have Ahmad Moses, who came on strong for them last year as a true freshman. They've got some depth at corner. They brought it. They brought in two uh, Power Five transfers in Keyshawn Mills and Jalen Davis Robinson at corner as well to shore up that group. That also has returners like Kavaris Hall and A.J. Davis uh, defensively on the line. That's where the biggest changes happen. Devere Levelston, who's a, a multi-year starter for SMU, added 20 pounds. Uh, so he looks like a true defensive tackle now rather than a tweener. And then they brought in Elijah Roberts from Miami, who's going to be a strong side defensive end at about 275 pounds. And he's he he is he was the least talked about Miami transfer that SMU brought in, and he might end up being the best. And then they've got Jordan Miller, a big 330-pound nose tackle, holding it down in the middle. And then Elijah Chapman, who repped out 45, 225-pound uh, reps on the bench press this offseason, uh, is going to be a backup after being a guy who's played a ton of AAC football and uh, was on some um, all-conference teams here and there. Uh, and then the edge rusher spot, they bring back Nelson Paul, who was the team's, I think, fourth-leading tackler 
and and was right up there for the top in terms of sacks. But then they brought in Cam Robertson, who was uh, all Conference USA freshman uh, pick from uh, North Texas. They they just have some new depth up front that is uh, I haven't seen it on the defensive line like this in in a few years. And at linebacker, they have Ahmad Walker, who started as a true freshman at Liberty for the defensive coordinator, Scott Simons, when he was there. So he trusts him a lot, and he's in the system now and going to start at middle linebacker. And then they have probably four guys that they'll rotate and figure out who works best at the will linebacker spot. Um, But they've got uh, Chris Adamora, who's a converted safety. They've got Kobe Wilson, who was a Temple transfer, who's played a lot in the AAC. And they've got – uh, uh, returning player in Jaquandis Burns, who's gotten a good amount of time. And then Alex Kilgore, a true freshman who enrolled early that they love. So they've got their, they've got their uh, place kicker, punter, and long snapper back too, as well as the return guys. So they, they've got, they have to put it all together. And that's been the thing for SMU um, in terms of their inability at times to kick down the door and have a, you know, 10 win season or go make a conference championship game. Uh, but all the pieces are in place, quite honestly, for it to happen. What would you say would be the weakest point of the SMU football team? Uh, corner? What I mean, I'm, I was just by what you were saying, maybe linebacker. I, it sounds like you guys are pretty loaded everywhere. Yeah, I, I think the one thing with Rhett Lashley's offense is you need a tight end that can really help in the run game, and Nolan Matthews Harris is the second tight end behind RJ Maryland, who's more of a pass catcher, but RJ's added about 20 pounds in the offseason, so he's going to try to, you know, hold it down a little bit better. But Nolan Matthews Harris is a big guy who's been able to stay healthy through the spring and the fall for the first time in his career. So we'll see if he can man it. Um, but he's about 6'5, 240 pounds. So they're hoping that he can handle a lot of that. But another thing they did is they actually moved Elijah Chapman uh, into an H back role. And uh, he's about 5'10, but I mean, like I said, 45 reps of 225. I mean, he's one of the strongest guys. He was on Bruce Feldman's uh, freaks list that came out uh, this year. He was on it last year, too. And uh, they're really high on his ability to maybe move the pile and and create some space in the run game. Uh, So they're going to use him a good bit, too. So I would say kind of tight end, H-back, a little bit of depth situation there. And then linebacker, just from the standpoint of they have Jaquandis Burns, who's back from last year, but he didn't necessarily, at least from what I've seen, take the starting role and really run with it. And so they're they're kind of, you know, waiting to see if he can do that. And then outside of that, you have all new faces at linebackers. So that's just more of a question right now, and we'll see if uh, they can get it answered. No doubt about it, Billy. It's uh, exciting for you guys. In fact, I saw an article just now um, that has you still – you guys still going to – uh, the a new version of the Pac-12. That's crazy. So, I guess it's uh, like you, like the pretty girl at at school to to get a date to the prom. Everybody wants to be your date. So, <laughs> uh, that was cool. I just read that about they had a new version of the Pac-12. Twelve teams uh, in there, and uh, one of them was SMU. So, I think that's old news. But um, anyway. Well, I appreciate you coming on tonight. I see that you need to run. We appreciate you very much for coming on. And uh, tell everybody how they can get uh, in touch with you as far as social media and your work. Yeah, guys, thanks for having me. You can check us out at ontheponyexpress.com. We're also on On the Pony Express YouTube channel doing a bunch of podcasts. And you can follow us on Twitter at SMU on 3 
uh, the number three or uh, at Billy Embody on Twitter or X, whatever we're calling it now. I know it's hard to get used to that. I'm an old dog trying to learn a new trick of saying X. <laughs> Billy, thank you so much. And we'll be checking in with you, I guess, game week as well. Great. Sounds good, guys. Thanks for having me. Take care, man. Have a good night. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Yeah, I went to I went to check their schedule, but by the time I got back, you were finishing up, so I didn't bother. To yeah, he needed to run, but uh, anyway, all is good. We had that. In fact, uh, we got all twelve teams in now, and um, they're in really good shape. You you like their chances in the American this year, and um, I like our chances. I'll tell you what, I'm I'm so excited uh, with uh, the depth we have with our team. So uh, I'm happy that we're going to be in the upper echelon. I feel very confident uh, with our with our team and i think uh i think it's kind of good that we didn't get picked uh, i think it's always bad when we get picked we're favored because a lot of times i don't know if we can not handle the pressure but i think we do better when we're underrated and then we we prove everybody wrong i kind of like that storyline well i think if we're ever going to make it to where we want to make it when we're picked to have a 9 10 12 win season right we need, we need to start doing it um uh, you know, I, I don't think we're – look, we finished – despite what all we had last year, we finished sixth in the conference last year. Now three of those teams are gone, UCF, Cincinnati, Houston. I really don't have a problem being picked sixth in the conference. I did see one place pick us 12th, which I thought was comical. Oh, my uh, God. But um, it was your buddies at the Athletic. Um, yeah, but, I didn't agree uh, with that. Um, it was – so, uh, most, you know, Phil Steele has the sixth. I trust his opinion. I, I think middle of the pack is a good place for us. We could overachieve. Uh, it's going to, it's going to really all depend on quarterback. Um, if, if Garcia or Flynn catches on early, um, then I think we have that opportunity to, uh, to, to be in the upper echelon of the league. If not, then I think we're going to be a middle of the pack team. Um, I think we have a really good chance as we just talked about on the, just another sports podcast to have a really good defense. Um, we, we got a lot of depth on the defensive line. Um, we're young in the secondary, but we are more athletic and talented in the secondary than we've been in a long time, despite the youth. Um, and then at linebacker, um, I think it's about break even. We, we lost some guys at linebacker, but, you know, Miles Berry, et cetera. But we brought in some quality transfers and some guys that were already in the program that stepped up. So yep. I think our defense is going to be pretty good. And I think we have a pretty, a pretty good running game. But as far as, you know, I, I don't. I don't think we're underrated. I think when you look at this league, there's no way you don't have Tulane, SMU, UTSA as the top three, and whatever order you want to put them in. After that, you know, um, I had them. I have us fourth. I'm not saying that we're number one. Well, I, I think Memphis has a lot back on offense. Um, now, can they stop anybody? Is That's what I'm talking about. Their defense is but not there. Their, their their offense. They got a returning quarterback. They got pretty much everybody back on offense. That's, Memphis is going to score a lot of points. Um, and then FAU is the big question mark. They're a very talented football team. Tom Herman's a very good coach, but it's his first year there. Can he put it together in year one like he did at Houston? Uh, maybe, maybe not. So, um, I you know, I could see us finishing as high as, a, you know, best-case scenario, third. Um, well, I guess best-case best, best case scenario, win the damn league. But yeah. realistic best-case scenario, third. I could see us finishing as low as sixth or seventh. So um, it'll be somewhere in there. I think I, I will say this, and I hope it doesn't happen because I hope SMU doesn't get in the ACC. But I can tell you this: if SMU gets in the ACC uh, that Thursday night. I don't care what our record is. If we don't pack that place, and if we ain't as loud and nasty and hostile and yep. and, and, and and mean and venomous and full of piss and vinegar 
as a fan base and as a football program and as a football team as we possibly can be, then something's wrong with us. If SMU comes into here October 12th as a member of the ACC and we don't pull that off, I don't care if they're ranked in the top 25 at that point, that, that circle that game, boys and girls. If, if they get the ACC invite, that's a must win. We have to find a way to make a statement in that game. But I'm hoping that don't happen. I'm, I'm hoping they don't get in. But um, So we got to call our friends at NC State and say, <laughs> don't put them in. I, look, we should have been making the phone call to the governor and, and to people in the UNC system um, when SMU first started being talked about that if they're included in any kind of conference um, invitation to the ACC, that we need to be included also, being there in the same conference. Now, would that have gotten us into the ACC? No, but it would have kept SMU from getting in. Exactly. And the other thing is just the fact that it just doesn't make any sense with uh, how well we're fundraising and all the things we're doing. We need to be pushing really hard to be in a bigger conference. And I love them. I don't have anything actually against American, but I, I, I don't think we have – uh, people that are really, truly trying hard. Well, unfortunately, it's probably not going to happen. Um, and, and I think the only way, like you said earlier, that's going to happen is if we go on a, a big run. Now, I think our our best chance now, um, you know, maybe if those schools don't get into the ACC, if the Pac-12 gets rebuilt, maybe we're included if they keep Power 5 status. Or down the road, if the ACC loses some more schools, then maybe we'll have an opportunity. But uh, it'll be what it'll be, man. We're going to play football, whether it's you know whether it's in the American, whether it's in the Sun Belt, whether it's in the American with with SMU, whether Washington State and Oregon State. It's going to be very interesting. I really want to see what's going to happen. If it's just Cal and Stanford, I can just about guarantee you Washington State and Oregon State will be coming to the American. If SMU goes with Cal and Stanford to the ACC then uh, I'm not sure they may, Oregon State, Washington State could end up in the Mountain West. But it would be nice just for a change, even if we don't get the flowers, to at least not get the manure. It would it, it would be nice. It would yeah. be nice, to, you know, if SMU somehow stays in the American, Cal Stanford get in the ACC, and then we get Oregon State, Washington State, and then in 26, Boise State and San Diego State. And we have a real national conference that if we didn't get power status, it would certainly be considered the best group of five conference and should be a playoffs contender, if not getting a playoff team every if, – if the champion of that league wasn't in the playoffs every year, uh, it, it would be pretty damn near it. And another thing they're talking about now is uh, the national media is ACC is the next to implode. And I do agree that that's going to happen at some point, and it will happen – when you lose Florida State and Clemson, um, then you've pretty well, much. Well, I don't think, Dave, that the, that the league will completely implode because I don't think there's enough room left um, unless conferences are going to go to 30 teams. I don't think there's enough room left for the ACC to completely implode, but I do think it could lose an awful lot of teams down the road. Um, and that's when I think we would have a chance to finally get in, probably after it loses power status. <laughs> but, <laughs> but 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 the very fact that but the very fact that Florida State, I mean, they're doing everything they can. Uh, Clemson's taken more of a quieter approach, but really, when you look at uh, Florida State right now, man, they they bring a you know we talk about all the but Florida State, Clemson, and uh, uh, Notre Dame, 
are the three big prizes left, if you will, if you want to talk about brand names. And um, I, I know that Grant Wright's people talk about that, but I still think it may not be tomorrow, but they're going to find there'll be somebody. You were talking about the suing part. There'll be some lawyer that will take a, you know, like a do like a Hail Mary and find a way out of the Grant Wright's. I don't know how they'll do it. I'm not a lawyer. It's not easy. I know it's extremely difficult for those that have told me, including David Glenn, who is an attorney, who is a regular guest on our show. But I just have a feeling that Florida State is going to find a way out. And then that's when they'll, they'll be the team that will find the way out. And then all the dominoes will start to fall in the ACC. Well, at some point, if you're Florida State and you want up bad enough, why don't you just leave and tell the ACC to sue me and get tied up in more litigation? And, uh, you know, by the time of judgment, you'll probably set a lot of court for uh, significantly less than what the uh, buyout is, and you'll have time to pay it. So uh, if I was Florida State and I wanted to leave, I'd just leave and let them see what happens. Um, but anyway, I, uh, yeah. I, um, I personally, as we sit here tonight, I'm still a huge doubting Thomas, if you will. Um, that, that's some of you getting in. And Stanford and Cal. I, I, um, I just, you know, maybe they can flip NC State uh, because NC State's best interest, you know, may be to make sure the ACC stays together. I don't know how much of a chance they have to get into a, a better conference. Um, you know, uh, I, I don't know. Um, so, the key's going to be NC State. I don't see North Carolina, Clemson, or Florida State changing their mind. So, uh, we need NC State to um, hold tight to be on our side for once. Um, either, either, either invite Stanford and Cal, or don't invite anybody. Um, yep. So I can, yeah, I can see that, and and that's the thing is that are they better? And this is my question to the ACC. Are you better off with Stanford and Cal? Because pretty much, I mean, Stanford, I love the fact that they have a whole bunch of Olympic sports. I think that's fantastic. But that's not what we always know that we talk about. That's not what moves the needle. It's football. Their football program hasn't been good in quite a while. Cal, pretty much the same thing. I mean, they may get to a bowl here and there. Stanford will be good in football again in in the day and age of NIL. When it comes to, uh, I know with the academic piece for the ACC, um, but SMU doesn't really, I mean, no offense to Billy or any, I just don't see what those three schools add to the ACC. I like those schools. I have nothing against those schools. I'm just simply saying when they always say the argument, what does this team bring? Like how much money could Stanford, Cal and Dow and a uh, school in Dallas with SMU bring in? Um, would it be, you know, an extra, like in other words, the gap is like right now they're saying potentially what thirty to forty million. I don't think be- right now. I don't think initially they'll bring anything. I don't think they're going to bring any. Maybe a little bit of value to their TV. They, they already get paid. They they will lie about their TV deal. They're getting thirty million dollars a damn year, right? So you're looking at twenty eight million something like that. that's a lot of money. Um, I wish we had that problem to whine about. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I, uh, you know, maybe some some value with getting in the uh, the Central Time Zone and the West Coast Time Zone for television. It might up their TV contract a little bit, but not that much. Um, right. I think down the road is where you might have potential SMU being in the ACC with the money they have and in that fertile recruiting area. Right, uh, they could become a major player down the road. 
Um, Stanford also, they're in a good recruiting area in California, although it's not as good as it used to be. And uh, they got a lot of money for NIL. So I think at Stanford, um, they've got some restrictions with recruiting because they're academic. academics. But, yeah. you know, Duke and Wake Forest, Wake Forest has figured out how to navigate it. And what they, and what they do is um, Virginia. It, well, Wake Forest in particular is maybe a model Stanford wants to look at where, you know, they're, they're truly a, they're more like a group of five program in a power five league. Right. And they, are, they develop players. Um, and uh, that's what Stanford is, is probably going to have to do too. Um, but, you know, it's really a shame just listen to, uh, listen to uh, him talk about SMU and all the transfers they brought in from all these power five schools. And you're, you're talking about names here. You're talking about, you know, you know, all American from West Virginia and, it's getting to the point now where literally if you got money, uh, you can win a football and that's what it's going to be. And that's kind of the world we're in now. So it's going to be interesting to see how all this plays out. So, well, you know, you and I always, uh, you and I especially are, by the way, are donating to team Boneyard yep. and uh, we want to make sure that everybody knows that. And, you know, you and I have talked about this agnosium, but I, you know, coach Houston's talked about it. Um, I understand that people have this mindset of I am never going to pay a player, right? But it doesn't matter how, and thank you, Bubba, for those watching right now, live or archive, teamboneyard.org. But um, Hank and Henry Hitton and everybody with Team Boneyard have done a great job, Kyle, because of the fact that they know that in order to be competitive, we have the par for our league is at least a million dollars. And I would say, Kyle, you and I think big like Bubba and Matt the same way. If if the par is a million, you need to be raising three million. But we have to start somewhere. I know. But well, here's the thing about Team Boneyard, and people it needs to be promoted more. Um, first of all, um, and one thing I'll I'll say, and um, you know, sometimes I think people don't give because they don't feel like they can give enough to make a difference. And maybe that's true. It's, it, maybe it's embarrassing to them if people find out that they're giving, but they're only giving this much. Well. You know, you don't have to put your name out there. Um, and if you can't give that, you can give, you can join Team Boneyard for $10 a month. You can join for as little as $10 Netflix, a month. Netflix, Hulu. Exactly. And um, just think about that. Think of every East Carolina fan joined, you know, how much exactly. money that would be. So if you, if you go, well, hell, I can't afford to give it. Well, hey, they have a level at $10 a month for a reason. That's because they want your money. Even if you can't afford any more than that, or you're, maybe you can afford a little more than that, but that's just comfortable with what you're spending. You know, you're not going to miss ten dollars a month. It's not even worth thinking about, it. or maybe twenty dollars a month. Whatever you're comfortable with. If you, if you, if you're not set financially to give a big gift, go join for ten dollars a month. If everybody would do that, uh, it would add up fast. I'll, I'll just put it that way. So um, fact, I encourage everybody to join Team Boneyard. Uh, Bubba is producing in the moment. He says Hank Hinton was asking for more $25 per month. Donors, 300 annually. That's fine, but um, we have no problems with that. Um, I'm giving $50 a month. I'll be transparent, and uh, that's the most I can give because, you know, Kyle was talking to an ECU official. I, and I'll be transparent. I joined at the bottom level, $10 that's a fine. month that's, right now. and. You know, uh, I, I may go up to twenty dollars a month, but yeah, and, and I can afford technically to give more than that. But I don't want to push myself too thin. I have bills. My wife has bills, and you know, I'm I want to participate and give, but I'm not going to uh, sacrifice my own 
comforts, you know, but ten dollars a month ain't a freaking sacrifice. I mean, that's 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 one trip to McDonald's by yourself. Right. It's gotten to be that expensive. And you know, Kyle is gonna say the fact that you're that that's the whole point. The fact that you're giving is is important and we need to respect if it's uh, Team Boneyard or the Pirate Club. Um, if you're giving ten dollars a month or more, or whatever, then then everybody needs to be appreciated because that's we in numbers we have a lot of people. Yeah, that that's another thing. Of the alums yeah. and the fans. Hundred dollars is still the minimum to join the Pirate Club. Hundred dollars a year. Yep, that's less than ten dollars a month. So, and I mean, you can do that. You can pay your Pirate Club dues that way. Yep. If you want to sign up as a hundred dollar donor and pay it monthly, they'll do it every twelve months. Yep, you um, set up a payment so plan and do that. I mean, that's friggin', that's that's a six piece McNugget. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> so, I mean, you you might as well join the pirate club for hundred dollars a year. Go and pay it out over the year. You ain't got to think about it. What what is that? What, what what's a hundred divided by twelve, Dave? What, what, do you know eight that math? Nine dollars, eight eight something, eight between eight yeah, and nine dollars so, I mean, a month. There you go. So basically, for eighteen bucks, you can join the pirate club and join Team Boneyard. There you, there you go. go. The we got to push. We got to. That's what I was going to say, Kyle. I, I didn't plan on talking about Team Boneyard or Pirate Club, but we've got to push the that end of people. There's so, uh, the the people that we always talk about take showers after work. The yeah. the common man is what we're missing right now. I think in the Pirate Club, and you know, it's uh, it's one of those things where and Dave, you give beyond what your income really justifies. To be quite honest. Dave, for those that don't know, without getting into Dave's details of what he gives and what his income is, he gives above and beyond. Um, you know, I, I give way above the minimum level, but nowhere near to the level Dave gives. And uh, you don't have to be a Dave. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm not asking for people. But, to be but you, you can, you can, you can certainly be a me. Look, I'm not going to get into what me and my wife make a year, but we give well above the minimum level. And if we can afford to do it, believe me, a lot of other people can too. And any, that's the thing, any amount, as far as if it's a hundred dollars or like we talked about for, uh, if you can give a uh, hundred dollars a year and just like we were talking about, if you can give the $10 a month for uh boneyard, that's yeah. what it's going to take. You want to, and we, and, and as fans, you know, we can talk about the administration or whatever, but if we really want to get to the next level, then we're going to have to pony up. And I was talking to an EC official. Pony up. Yeah, and uh, we were talking about the fact that there's right now, if you think about it, Kyle, there's four buckets right now at ECU. Okay, you have season tickets, you have Pirate Club, you have Pirates Unite, and you have Boneyard. So for me, you know, I I have uh, season tickets in every uh, the three sports. Uh, we have Pirates Unite going on. I gave a, a major gift, um, not bragging about that, for baseball. But I want to see that done, and I can make that happen. You can take a – for Pirates Unite, by the way, folks, for the indoor practice facility in baseball, we've got to have – I've already given 1000 each for both uh, indoor practice facility and for baseball, not because I'm trying to brag, but because we've got to make this happen. It's like the more that we are kind of like – Yeah, and, and, about it. And, and Dave, just to make this easier for the Pirates Unite thing, Let's go to Pirate Club's website, go, yep. click on the Pirates Unite tab, and you can you can give a one-time gift. You don't have to sign up for monthly. Uh, yep. If you want to give 20 bucks, you can and you can earmark that 20 bucks to go 100% to the indoor practice facility or to baseball 
or whatever you wanted to go towards. I, I, I've given two gifts um, to the indoor practice facility and plan to give more. And, um, you know, I, 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 it all adds up. So give with you, right. you got, a, you got an extra 40 bucks laying around that you, Hey, you know, I got to, you know, whatever, hundred bucks, thousand bucks, like Dave did, whatever you can afford, give it. I mean, cause especially with the Pirates Unite thing, it's just so easy to donate. You can earmark what it's for. Give something this month, give a little more next month. Right. It, it all adds up. I mean, don't sit there and go, well, I can't afford to give $5,000, so I'm not going to donate. Look, if you can give 20 bucks this month, 50 bucks next month, five right. bucks, or hell, maybe you can only give 20 bucks one time. It, if everybody would do that, we'd get to where we want to be. Yeah, Bubba, he has the numbers, but we have our uh, Kenneth, and it says maybe UBA, for example, could ask you when you pay if you want to donate $1 to $5 a team bone, boneyard. Just that an idea is to get a revenue. fantastic That's idea. That's a great idea. Kenneth, that thank you. That is a fantastic idea. And uh, that money would come from UBE. And mm-hmm. so they would be, you know, and go to Team Boneyard. And so that uh, that is a really good idea, actually. Uh, you need to run that by the people at UBE. And how about if we have that for not only UBE, but well, maybe UBE, because obviously we think a lot of uh, the folks there, University Book Exchange. Oh, but maybe there's some pirate support, pirates. Maybe there's uh, different places, a handful of places that uh, around Greenville um, that would do that. That's part of the pirate club, but uh, certainly UBE is way up there for all the money they've given. And, 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 and NIL is a, a little, a little tricky. So, you know, I, I don't know, you know, if, if there's certain rules, well, maybe that couldn't be done, but you could certainly, I would think of no reason why you couldn't do that for pirates unite. Hey, that's what, part, you want to yeah. So you yeah, do it for pirates unite. You could extend that to any companies to support the pirates yeah, uh, Craig, great minds think alike, Craig. You, me, and Kyle, and I yeah, know that, that that right there. You know, why are we sitting here thinking of this stuff? And and who's said it hasn't been thought of, but it just hasn't been implemented yet. But you know, we're sitting here on a podcast. Uh, people are commenting. You know, and we're coming up with great ideas, and that's what it takes. And and and, I, and I'm not knocking John Gilbert, but that's why a man like Terry Holland would listen to everybody's idea. He would turn over every stone. Yep. It, 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 you you could be you know it didn't matter what your background was. He would listen to your idea. And if he thought it was a good idea, by God, he would try to implement it. And that is a great idea. And, uh, UBE or other, other, uh, businesses around Greenville and East North Carolina, that, that's, that's a brilliant idea. As a matter of fact, who was it? Who was it that said that to begin with? Uh, Kenneth Maynard. Kenneth, Kenneth is one Maynard, of our Kenneth. new viewers or I haven't seen, he hasn't been, yeah, uh, he's yeah, been he's making a lot of great comments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stick around, my friend. You, uh, you're, uh, you're, you're, you're pretty knowledgeable there. I really like that idea, and um, I would suggest Kenneth that uh, you send an email to John Gilbert and Ryan Robinson. Um, yeah, and, and that's maybe, a great um, idea. And contact the people at uh, UBE. Per- go ahead and sometimes, hey, you maybe you should contact the people at UBE, bring it to their attention, and they can propose it to East Carolina. Think, think about that. How many times? Have you gone to a fast food place and they say, would you like to round up the, you know, your order to the next dollar? So if it's $12 and 53 cents, you can round it up to $13. Or would you like to give a dollar to St. Jude's? Or there's a lot of great charities like St. Jude's out there that I give. I don't even know how many dollars I give like that for their. We, are, par- we are partners in Hope St. Jude's. But I'll tell you the one that always cracks me up is. um. Every time I go to Ollie's in Goldsboro, I'm sure you're familiar with Ollie's Bar. Oh, yeah. There's one in Greenville. Uh, they always, they're always taking up money for the Cal Ripken Jr. Foundation. Um, so it always, 
always uh it always cracks me up a little bit for whatever reason i don't know why but i always think of of all nothing wrong with i, I don't even know what they do i'm assuming it's like something along with base, baseball related yeah. for inner city children is what my assumption is but um i uh I, anyway that's neither here nor there but no great idea by kenneth that, that is that is one of the better ideas i've seen proposed uh, by anybody recently, and that definitely needs to be brought to the attention of our university. And, and yeah, you were talking about Team Boneyard, but you also mentioned uh, you know, Pirates Unite. You can Pirates Unite, that. because yep. uh, when we were talking about the indoor practice facility, and you were talking, you made a great point, Kyle, when you have... Yeah, you the, can just simply do it for both. Hey, would you like to give a dollar to Pirates Unite or to right. uh, Team Boneyard? And sure, okay, which one or both? Yep, a dollar so, each or yep. yeah, one or the other, yeah. Or round up. Like you said, would you like to round up your, your purchase to the nearest dollar and give that to Team Boneyard or Pirates United? I mean, that is a tremendous idea. Yeah. Uh, in fact, uh, how about this? Uh, Kenneth says, a lot of businesses here in Fayetteville do it for the military and veteran-related causes. Absolutely, Kenneth, and appreciate you uh, there in Cumberland County and um, love uh, that Era, I uh, love uh, Fayetteville for a lot of, uh, I won't get off on a tangent here, Kyle, but uh, all the wrestling, all the uh, great wrestling there in the Fayetteville area over the years growing up, uh, the Cumberland sure. County uh, <laughs> uh, Civic Center or the auditorium there uh, was Yeah, not, not the Greensboro Coliseum, but uh, it certainly had its moments uh, down there for sure. No doubt. Um, I, uh, but no, I would, um, that definitely needs... Uh, to be brought to the attention of uh, John Gilbert, uh, Rod Robinson, um, Hank Hinton, um, Scott Shook, uh, yeah. he, 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 a lot of people. Uh, that's a great idea by Kenneth. And people will, and people listen and watch our podcast or watch our show, so that'll get back to them, I'm sure, because uh, we get in trouble <laughs> a lot of times when we say things or don't say things. But I just, uh, when we have a great idea, Kenneth, that's uh, fantastic. I appreciate Well, if you. people would listen to our criticisms, it's always because we want what's best for East Carolina. Correct. We're not, we're not bashing people. When we're mad about something and being critical, it is for a reason. So if people want, people can get butt hurt if they want. But, you know, look, no disrespect to John Gilbert, no disrespect to Ryan Robinson. Um, they are not going to always be pirates. Uh, Correct. We will. Um, so, John, I'll just leave that there. Yeah, and uh, the fact is we're trying to make things better. And, by the way, we have got to go ahead and we, we need $6 million between now and the end of the year. Uh, let's go ahead and raise as much money as we can uh, because guess what? Um, for the I'm talking about for the indoor practice facility. We are so close to the baseball uh, expansion to be breaking ground. I, I gave a big donation, and the reason I did is because I'm trying to get some momentum. Guys, we need three to four million dollars in that range, and if we have every Pirate Club member give five hundred dollars, okay, every member get five hundred dollars, and you give it over a period of time. Say you give it over a year or a couple years or a few years. If everybody would do that, guess what? We can break ground on that baseball expansion. It's very close. Now, the indoor practice facility, um, Kyle, you brought up on our last show that we did as far as uh, yeah, the there's, there's a group of people that are that are trying to uh, maybe rush uh, construction along on that to go ahead and build a usable shell and not just a shell, not meaning just the, the right the a picnic shelter. Yeah, but, but build it the out the structure, the, the field lights, 
the 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 mm-hmm. air, the heat, and the and the outside were usable, but all the extra bells and whistles get added later. And um, I think that's a good idea because the longer you go to wait to build it, the more construction is going to go gonna up. It's going to be more expensive. Yeah. yeah. Once it's built, we can use it. Uh, and all the extra amenities, we can add a little at a time. And that's something I told you about, Cal, is that once we're done with the indoor practice facility anyway, I want to see some new coaches' offices, a whole bunch of stuff like that, player amenities like we were talking about years ago when we first started the show. And then, you know, we have a great press box, but we put a lot of money there when a lot of people wanted to see the amenities. But I think that, in other words, Pirates Unite is not going away, folks. I know this for a fact. For, I've talked to, um, I don't even know if I told you, Kyle, but two or three sources inside the administration that that confirmed with me that once we're done with the 60 million, don't worry, Dave, we're going to continue to, you know, like raise money because we don't have a choice. If we want to, again, if we want to be um, in a power league, the way we're going to do that is we've got to find a way to continue to build these facilities. And um, it's a tough sell. It is a tough sell when you have NIL, but I told you, Kyle, there's a lot of people that they don't want to do the NIL thing. Okay, great. Give more money to Pirates Unite. We can have, if we have to have two different armies, two different camps, whatever on that, fine. However it gets done, I don't care. But uh, we're going to have to raise in the neighborhood of two or three hundred million. Uh, what are you look at Memphis and look at Memphis and USF that they're raising anywhere, what, 200, 250, 250 million. I mean, I know that like USF has to have a, they're building a, a new right, stadium. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's a good portion of it, but we're going to have to, I just want to let everybody know, don't feel overwhelmed by the 60 million because in reality, <laughs> it's more like two or 300 million to keep uh, par really with the American schools. I would think. Yeah. Some of them, some of them, uh, it's a lot of American schools that are going to have to be catching up to do to, to even get to our level, honestly. But, um, Anyway, uh, I, I I've been I've been doing a podcast. Uh, all I know night. for a long time. Um, but uh, quickly, uh, week zero games this week. Uh, standout games: Ohio, San Diego State should be a good one. Notre Dame, Navy. That's the one I was going to say. Not going to be a good game, but obviously, marquee matchup with Notre Dame. They'll right. probably blow out Navy. Ohio State or Ohio, San Diego State will be a good one. Uh, another potential, a couple other potentially good games. Uh, if you can get past who's playing in the games, just want to watch good football. Uh, FIU was surprisingly competitive last year. This will be year number two for their head coach. They take on Louisiana Tech. That could be a good one. And um, UMass and New Mexico State also has a chance to be a pretty good football game. Um, also, USC plays this weekend. Um, Jacksonville State makes their FBS debut against UTEP. So uh, there's seven games, and uh, I plan on watching all seven of them. Yeah, in fact, don't forget that we have uh, for you tomorrow night the inside slant as we're going to take a look at uh, those games. So I uh, appreciate you uh, talking about that, Kyle. We'll be talking about uh, the college football tomorrow night. I believe that's at 8 or 8.30, 8.30, I believe, but uh, certainly tomorrow night. And uh, we look forward to and that's uh, being Thursday night if you're watching on archives. So make sure you check that out. Looking forward to uh, everybody being a part of that. And a lot of uh, 8.30, as our good friend Bubba Rosenbaum said, thank you so much for producing. So the Inside Slant is tomorrow night, 8.30. Don't forget, by the way, uh, some programming notes real quick. On Friday night, we'll have our second game for Martin County football. I appreciate Kyle and Bubba and Matt Semenza letting me 
be a part to put this uh, uh, venture, the project, if you will, on our platform. Uh, we've got Aiden Grifton. I know Bubba talked to Coach Cornwell, Paul Cornwell, today uh, for Aiden Grifton, and I'm actually recording an interview with Coach Sartain tomorrow, Thursday, and we'll have uh, the, that in our pregame. Uh, looking forward to that as uh, myself, Hill Robinson, Charles Smith, who's going to be our on-site engineer. I know Bubba, Kyle, and Matt also can chime in. Uh, by the way, that's Friday night starting at 640. Uh, we want to mention on the Inside Slant tomorrow night, we'll have uh, Pete Medhurst of Navy and, of course, uh, Rennie Angolia also. That'll be tomorrow night for the Inside Slant and uh, looking forward to uh, doing that. Martin County won the JV game. I didn't know that. Thank you very much, uh, Justin. Uh, 16 to 8. 16 to 8. So, I know you were a referee in that game, and uh, appreciate uh, you doing that, um, Justin. I know that's not an easy thing, and they need a lot of referees right now. So not only your referee, but also your umpire in baseball. So you're awesome, and appreciate your contributions always to the show. All right, uh, Kyle, do you have anything before we get out of here? Not a thing. All right, appreciate you, Iron Man, um, and uh, appreciate all that you do for the show. Thank you, Bubba, behind the scenes. Again, we'll be back tomorrow night at 830 uh, for the inside slant right here, uh, inside look at all the college football games for week zero and beyond. Until next time, this is Dave Richmond for the Sports Subjective for all about everybody here. Good night, everybody. And as always, go Pirates. Touchdown with the cannons blast. Get it on, get it all, get the wave going like the hurricane, y'all.